Welcome to the Discovery Doc Podcast, where we advocate for optimal wellness and reducing everyday toxic loads, no matter where life takes you. I'm Dr. Cece, doctor in nursing practice, self-proclaimed toxin tamer, and a crunchy mama. I'm Anna Kate, a medical mystery overachiever and your Discovery Liaison. Join us on this exciting journey as we explore the world of holistic health, cutting-edge research, and practical solutions for a healthier life. Together, we'll navigate through the complexities of wellness, sharing valuable insights, and expert advice. Tune in to the Discovery Doc Podcast. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and discover a whole new way of looking at your health. sweet, the sweets, cravings after meals, the women who come in and just say, I just want something a little sweet, like just some chocolate after dinner, just some, and I'm like, been there, done that. I know what that is. Welcome back to the discovery doc podcast. I'm here with your host, Dr. Cece, functional medicine nurse practitioner, self-proclaimed toxin tamer and crunchy mama. And my sidekick over here. I'm Anna Kate, your medical mystery overachiever and discovery liaison. And today we've got another beautiful face on the screen with us and available to your listening ears. So why don't you go ahead and introduce this lovely lady? Yes, y'all. I'm so excited. This is Dr. Natalie, also known as the PCOS doc. I followed her for quite some time on social media and I just love what you're doing. So I'm so excited to have you here and have an awesome conversation. She is a hormone specialist, point blank, period. She helps all women using a holistic approach to conquer infertility and hormonal imbalances. We're going to have some awesome conversations, y'all. So stick with us over the next two episodes. But first, Dr. Natalie, please tell us, give us all the details about yourself, your background, your education. How did you end up becoming Dr. Natalie, the PCOS doc? (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, I'm so excited to be here first and foremost. Thank you guys for having me. Um, how did I become the PCOS doc? So it's kind of a long journey, kind of a long twisted journey, right? With lots of changes. Um, originally I actually was supposed to become (laughs) funny, very different from PCOS. I was actually planning to become a pediatric cardiothoracic surgeon when I was in my early twenties. Yeah. I worked under a heart surgeon observed over 50 heart surgeries, I had, I have these tiny little surgeon hands and, you know, everyone was like, you've got to be a pediatric heart surgeon. So I also always wanted to be a surgeon growing up from the time I was like 10 on. So I did all my pre-med classes for medical school, started studying for the MCAT, all the things. And I worked in this hospital and just really realized that I, my heart was not in that form of healthcare. Like I was seeing people come in and they were not leaving better than when they came into the hospital. And it just broke my heart. Every single case I saw and observed, I'm like, these patients are not getting dietary advice. They're not getting lifestyle advice. They're not being told to move their bodies. They're just being sent home with a new medication or being thrown into the OR. And it just made me so sad. I was like, I don't think I want to practice this type of medicine. You know, it might be a cushy lifestyle. It might be great. All these things, but I also, at the same time, 
in school had to have a certain amount of internship hours. So I actually was interning for a chiropractor at the same time as I was working in the hospital. So I would split my, my hours during the week, half at the hospital, half at the chiropractic office. And it was kind of a um, primary care center. They were doing chiropractic, but also just primary care, physical exams, all the things. And they had this like weight loss class and things like that. And I figured out that every time I would leave the chiropractic office, I would leave happy and my patients would be thanking me and they'd be so excited to come in and out and see their doctors. And I just realized I'm like, this is the type of healthcare that I want to provide, you know? So throughout that exact time period, I was figuring out my own PCOS journey. I had been diagnosed um, with PCOS when I was 17 and never given any answers. So part of the reason why I wanted to become a doctor was to figure out what was going on with myself, right? I wanted to figure out how to fix myself. And there was really a very, very limited amount of information out there at this time. So, um, while I was working for the chiropractor, I really started figuring out what a big impact diet and lifestyle made on my own body. And I was seeing it with my, my, you know, the patients in the office at the time and the patients I was observing and shadowing. And then I started implementing a lot of the changes I was learning into my own life and seeing all these positive changes. And I just realized that diet and lifestyle has such a huge impact on PCOS. And that's when I really dove into the modifiable factors that I had control of in my own life and really started honing in on supplements and lifestyle and doing a lot of research behind that. Um, because I figured if I can help myself first, I can definitely help other people. Right. So about four years later, after I finished grad school, I really decided, you know, I want to help this population of, of women specifically. Um, but I want to help all women who are in the position I was in seven to eight years ago with no real answers. You know, Google is confusing as heck. There's no clarity on Google, right? Um, I, I want to be a resource for women. And this is really where I want to focus. I didn't want to be one of those doctors who just saw every type of patient out there. I wanted to help women specifically. And then I realized very quickly um, in practice that I was getting women pregnant very quickly. And I didn't really know why at first. <laughs> and then I started looking back on all my cases and figuring it out. I'm like, okay, the, here are the common denominators here. Um, and then I kind of built it into a method. So um, so that's kind of how the PCOS doc was formed. Um, and it wasn't really planned for years in advance, but that's kind of how it came about. <laughs> That is, that is amazing. And what I've found with people who are really called to do what they're supposed to do and feel like they are on this planet for a reason, you know, providing the services that they are meant and designed to provide, it's because we've gone through something that led us there. And we, you know, we talked about this a little bit off camera, but a lot, I get a lot of Lyme patients and it's because that was my journey. And you have a lot of PCOS patients, but it makes you that much better of a practitioner because you've been through that. You, you know what it feels like, you know, the right questions to ask, you can relate. And that, at least for my patients is such a comfort and yeah. it's such a hope because then they see you on the other side and it's a sense of, wow, that could be me too. So mm -hmm. I feel always that the best practitioners are those that come from their own struggle. So I love totally. That. Yeah. You turn your pain into purpose. It's, it makes such a difference. And especially when you're caring for patients, you can tell when you see a provider as, you know, as the patient and they've never walked 
in your shoes. They've never been where you've been. There's such a lack of compassion. And I'm seeing that for a lot of women that I'm, that are in my practice, they're coming in and they're just beat down and distraught because they've not received an ounce of compassion anywhere that they've been because those doctors haven't been through that. And I think that's really what sets a lot of us apart, right. And what we do my husband's been on like a four to five year journey with mold illness and people, you, I mean, you know, this people with mold illness, they are told they're crazy. They're hazy. They're lazy, all these things. And he literally went through all of those and can talk to his patients about it and understand, Hey, you are actually not crazy. You're probably in a flare up. You're probably exposed. And now I can do the same thing too with my PCOS clients or my hormone imbalance clients, because I've literally been through all of those things that they have. So I can put myself in their shoes and, and kind of help problem solve with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, I mean, one to your point, I, I tell patients that I've had patients in the past that have psychosis induced from mold toxicity. Yes. Like it, it can be wildly damaging. But also to your point, something that you talked about earlier was when you were in school and felt like this wasn't right. And that's Mm -hmm. that I connect with too. And I think that part of a journey is so imperative that you are, you know, something in your core is off. Like you, you don't truly belong there and there are these signs and signals that you don't belong there. Yeah. Hey, it just clicks. And I had that same thing working. I was working as a medical scribe and I was in med school and, and, you know, had just passed the MCAT and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is not for me. This is not, you know, and it just clicks and you change your route. And sometimes you're like, what the heck am I doing? Like, how did, how am I turning down this to go here? But it all out. I'm very glad that you turned it down and came this way. I, I, I personally appreciate that. Right. I, I love stories like that. So this kind of continuing on the, this first part of our conversation, I do want to, you're so much more than just dealing with PCOS, although there are a lot of women who struggle from PCOS. So I mm-hmm. wanted to dive a little bit deeper into just your, your thoughts about it without giving too much away, obviously, because people come to you for yeah. a, a reason, but some biggest things I would love to talk about are what would you identify as the top triggers mm-hmm. for that create those hormone imbalances? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, hormone imbalances in general, is that what you're asking or PCOS specific? I should clarify. If you find PCOS specific, that would be wonderful. Okay. Okay. Cool. Find PCOS for the, oh. for people that have never heard yeah. PCOS. Yeah. We all know great. what it is, but if you're listening and you've never heard it, you might I know how to say this one though. This one is not a hard one for me to say, but I'm going to let Dr. Natalie take it. I love it. Cause we're over here, like throwing out acronyms and people are probably listening and going, what? Um, so if you're listening and you've never heard of PCOS, you don't know what PCOS is. It stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And the title itself can be confusing to some because the name explicitly kind of makes it sound like you have to have cysts on your ovaries in order to have PCOS which is a huge misconception. Um, But PCOS in itself is a really complex metabolic condition. And it's kind of, you know, a syndrome. It's a constellation of symptoms kind of all lumped into one diagnosis. And it looks different in every single person. So 
when you look at triggers of this, it's going to be different for every person, right? Now, when I teach about PCOS or when I lecture about it, I always explain there's different drivers of PCOS, right? So we have we can have an adrenal pattern of PCOS because there's certain there's certain symptoms of PCOS that can be exhibited and driven by stressors or high cortisol, elevated androgens and things like that, right? So that's kind of like what you might see as more of like a lean woman, a lean pattern PCOS, someone who might not deal with weight gain issues, but they have a lot of stress. They produce a lot of testosterone, things like that. And drivers for that really can be things like overtraining and overexercising. I see a lot of girls come in that were gymnasts or dancers or athletes as children, and they, they fit into this pattern. CrossFit athletes, I see a ton of CrossFit athletes in this pattern. So overtraining in adolescence can be a driver from what I've seen of these adrenal pattern hormone dysregulations, right? And especially in PCOS, but then also about 70% of women with PCOS deal with insulin resistance. So this is just a dysregulation of insulin and glucose in the body. And it causes excess fat storage for a lot of women. And it makes it very, very difficult to lose weight, right? So I see this a lot with my women. They come in, they're barely eating anything. They're gaining weight and they have just continued to be told to eat less and work out more, which is not helping their cause, right? It's not, it's not helping moving, move the needle forward at all. So, um, I would say stressors are a trigger. Insulin resistance is a a driver or a trigger for sure. But then we have endocrine disrupting chemicals everywhere now in our environment, right? We love to talk about this one because I feel like it's overplayed in our world and underplayed in the modern world, right? Yeah. Like for you and I, we're like, this is common sense, but the majority of women- What was the last episode? We talked about all this on the last episode. That's the biggest thing that you can change. You can make these changes in your life and your day-to-day life by just getting rid of some of those toxins Yes, bioaccumulating. We talked. So, if you're just showing up for Dr. Natalie and listening to her, go listen to the last couple of episodes because that's what we talked about, and you'll get informed on all of the endocrine disruptors. Yeah, sorry, we cut you off. Sorry, please proceed. No, that's okay. I mean, I like to explain it like you've heard the bucket analogy, right? Like we fill up, we fill up the bucket every single day. And throughout our life, and we just accumulate toxins over and over. Um, And then eventually they start to exhibit symptoms. And a lot of times the first ones you see is skin related issues like acne, eczema, psoriasis, all the things. So a a lot of that is just causing and driving inflammation in the body, which is then perpetuating hormone related issues. So I see that a ton. Um, And it's funny because I find that that's the last thing women want to change. They don't want to give up their bath and body works and they don't want to give up their, their makeup products. They don't want to give up their skincare. And oftentimes like in the world I'm in, if I'm sharing about something online, I think women automatically assume I'm just sharing because it's an affiliated link. Right. And I'm like, no, these are products I spend my own hard-earned money on. I have for years and all my one-on-one clients, I'm suggesting they get these products too. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm affiliated with a company that I make, you know, a small commission off of it, whatever it may be. I genuinely believe that if you were to make these small changes, it would reflect in positive outcomes for you. But I think a lot of people just downplay the importance of endocrine disruption and, and how much their tiny exposures actually add up. I mean, 
Yes. So we, it's just so fascinating that you're talking about all this because we just had these conversations and we were saying how just minor disruptions yes. can cause massive havoc to your hormones. Yes. And I get that question a lot too, through, through my Instagram. It's like, well, that one red Gatorade is not going to do anything. And I'm like, it's not yeah. about that one red Gatorade. It is yeah. about the accumulation of you being exposed to thousands of chemicals every single day. Yes. Hey, and that yeah. accumulating and then causing that disruption. And it is so natural for me to think that way. And it is, it is something that's talked about a lot in our community, but on the outside world, it is like two cents are not given to it. Yeah. Well, it's crazy too. What I explained to my patients is do what you can to control what you can control because it, when the second you walk outside your doors, you are out of control, right? Like the, what you breathe in outside the pesticides in your yard, you know, like we live in an HOA community. They have massive trucks that drive through our neighborhood at night and spray chemicals. She used to chase my phone when she was a kid. So don't feel too bad. Oh, oh my gosh. Did not. (laughs) No, I mean, we used to drink out of the the water hose as a kid, right? Like, no, (laughs) like, I mean, these, these are your stories. Stop it. That's what's wrong with me. Maybe I need no. to go see her too. Right. I, I'm a medical mystery accumulator. But it, yes, oh it's so true that you can't, it's a very deep rabbit hole if you go, if you try to control everything and you can't, you can't. So you can yeah. control it in your own home yep. very easily. But outside of that, we're going to be exposed to things that we have no control over to your point. Well, and another thing that I think that the general population doesn't understand is where, and you probably talked about this in your last episode, where we store toxins in the body. It's mm. in adipose tissue, in fat cells. So I talked to a lot of women who are gaining weight rapidly. They can't control it. Their insulin levels are great. And then I'm like, what does your toxin exposure look like? Because I, the way I explain it to my patients is, you know, those storage bins in your garage that you have stacked up that you probably never look at, you never open them. They have like junk in them. That is what your body does with fat cells. Like you have all this junk. The body doesn't know what it wants to do. There's nowhere for it to go. And it just shoves it in a storage bin, put it, puts it in your garage. It might be on the back end. It might be on the front end. You never know, but literally that's what's happening in the body. And that's also why women sometimes experience those flu-like symptoms when they start to lose weight too rapidly, or if they lose a lot of weight because they're rapidly excreting toxins and getting toxins just kind of exposed to, to the body that they're not used to. They've been walled off for so long. So that's something that I see too, a lot with women who can't lose weight. I always ask them, do you live near a farm field? What, you know, what, where do you work? What kind of work environment are you in? Are you exposed to mold? I mean, the body's so smart, but these are all drivers for hormone imbalances and triggers for hormone imbalances everything we do on a daily basis. So I would say, I would say that's a big one. And then the last one, um, that I'll, that I'll talk about now is just stress in general, like modern stressors. Um, and I think women in general are, we have so much pressure on us to perform like men, like on a 30 day cycle, right? Like we have to work 24, seven, 30 days a month. And that's just not how our natural rhythm is. We are not supposed to be on overdrive 30 straight days. And I think in our modern world, women are pushed to do that. And so I think that does stress the body quite a bit. So, I mean, even in my own personal life, I only see patients 
in my follicular and ovulatory phases of my cycle. I don't see patients in the last quarter of my cycle because, or third of my cycle, I should say, because I don't feel well doing it. And I'm having to drink coffee and push my way through that when my body just wants to rest. But I didn't know that for years. And I didn't understand that through grad school and things like that. Not that we had much of a choice, but I think those are all contributing to a lot of hormone imbalances people are seeing, and especially in PCOS, that cortisol dysregulation, it, it goes hand in hand with blood sugar dysregulation, which is one of the main issues with PCOS in general. Right. And yeah, so many points there. I mean, secondary to what you said is also understanding that men and women are completely different, that mm-hmm. hormone pathways reset all the time, whereas mm-hmm. it takes that 30 day cycle. And so- yeah. to- Right. To your point, I think we could keep up and do the same thing every single day. That's a wonderful point. I don't think enough women know that. And I don't yeah. think enough women honor that and know when that time is of, Hey, I'm going to listen. Why am I so tired right now? Oh, I'm going to listen. And it's my hormones are shifting. That's natural. And it doesn't mean that something's wrong, but yep. it's an awareness of your body and knowing when to lessen that load. I think that's an awesome, awesome little tidbit. The one thing I was thinking about earlier when you were talking is where does access estrogen love to hang out too? How to post hips. <laughs> and so if you, if you, you know, build up all those toxins and extra, extra estrogen, now it's just in there partying and having a good old time. But you know, your access tissue really loves you because it's protecting you. So don't get oh. mad at, at that extra, at, at extra, extra around, yes. around, around the stuff because it's protecting you. It, your fat loves you. You don't love it sometimes, but it loves you because it's protecting you. So, so what can we do to figure out all of the hormone disruptors? And what's the question I'm asking? We're going to hold on that question. Another question I have, because that is kind of more general, general hormones. I'm trying to keep my little OCD brain organized here. Um, In terms of PCOS, I have a question specifically. Do yeah. you ever have patients coming to you who have already been diagnosed with PCOS and you're finding that it is actually something totally different or is Ooh, it yeah. That's a way better question that I was going to ask. Yeah, that's a good question. I would say about 90% of the time it's correct. And then the other 10% of the time they've just been stamped with this diagnosis and it's completely off. Like they might have anovulatory cycles and it's hypothalamic amenorrhea, or they might have, um, micronutrient deficiencies or they're malnourished just in, I mean, that goes in hand in hand with HA, but yeah, I am seeing a misdiagnosis in a small percentage of the population or they're just under critical amounts of stress. Then the, um, nurses who work night shift, night shift workers, um, and people in really super high stress jobs, my, my high performing women, lawyers, doctors, nurses, things like that, who just have really high pressure jobs. I am seeing that they have those excess androgen patterns, excess cortisol, and they do exhibit symptoms of PCOS, but they still have 30 day cycles. They're still ovulating and there's no presence of polycystic morphology on the ovaries. So that does happen. It is more rare, but it isn't those specific types of women from what I've seen. And it does usually fall into that more lean pattern um, of a woman, right? They go in and they have just one of the three diagnostic criteria and they're slapped with that diagnosis. And then they're super confused because they do all the things that they hear to do with PCOS and they don't work. So then they're confused. They're like, well, I did the blood sugar support and I took berberine and I did this and it didn't work. And I'm like, 
So you didn't really need to do any of that. Um, but yeah, it does happen. Are you seeing women? And I mean that loosely because what I really mean is girls. Do you see girls mm-hmm. diagnosed earlier nowadays, or is it pretty on par with what, what you're used to seeing? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit earlier. I mean, we're seeing, and we'll talk about this too later, we're seeing birth control being prescribed earlier. And so PCOS is going hand in hand with that too. Um, I would say the average diagnosis from what I was saying, maybe four or five years ago was age 16 or 17. And now it's happening a 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see a lot of, a ton of teen girls. I would love to. Um, I don't see a ton of teen girls cause I don't think their moms are aware enough yet of what is the issue. But I, I did see one recently, um, bless her heart and thank God for her mom. Um, she kept going back to her general practitioner. She's six, 16, almost 17, kept going back to her GP. They just kept putting her on a new medication every time she went for a well visit. Oh. And, and she was never diagnosed with PCOS. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we got to talk about this. Here. Yeah, I was like, first of all, you should probably find her a new doctor. Right. Second of all, I started asking her all the PCOS questions. I'm like, do you feel tired when you get home from school? Are you craving, you know, sweets between meals? Do you get sleepy after meals? Do you wake up tired? Are you gaining weight around your belly? And I started asking her and she's like, yes, yes. Like these, this sounds like me. And I'm like, okay, so this sounds like PCOS. I need you to go back, find a new doctor and ask them for an ultrasound and things like that. But that's the other thing I'm seeing is that she was just put on birth control and they never investigated what was the cause of any of it. So it's either over diagnosis or completely missing the diagnosis and leaving young girls feeling very confused and feeling guilty. I mean, this poor girl spent a few minutes of our initial call validating to me. She's working out. She's an athlete. She's playing multiple sports. And I told her, I'm like, I did too at your age, you know, and it's not your fault. You know, it's just your body works a little bit differently than other people's do. And there's nothing that is in your control right now that is, you know, you know, that I can blame you for, right? None of this is your fault. So I think too, for moms listening or young girls listening, understanding that if it doesn't seem normal for your child, it's probably not normal. And you should probably have that investigated. Um, And I don't care if you, if you stick with me, I said, but please work with a PCOS literate practitioner. Like if it's not me, I understand, but take your child somewhere where they can be heard and understood because it's not happening at their general practitioner. It's not happening at her primary care doctor. It's not working. So that's another sad reality that we're dealing with, with PCOS. Enter ad break here. Enter ad break here. Enter ad break here. So she can find it. AI can find it. Okay. We're back. We're back. So that is, you, you said something that is, I was actually my next question for you is that what are some symptoms that you see that girls or women come to you with that they think are normal, but in your practitioner brain are big red flags? Because I I stress this all the time to my patients, common is not normal. Those are not, those are two very different things. So with, when we talk about PCOS specifically, what are some things that you see that this patient is like, I've been dealing with this all the time. And you're like, red flag. Yeah. Um, the sweet, the sweets, cravings after meals. 
the women who come in and just say, I just want something a little sweet, like just some chocolate after dinner, just some, and I'm like, been there, done that. I know what that is. And now a word from our sponsor. Most people don't realize the connection between the immune and digestive systems. In fact, 70 to 80% of your immune system lives in your gut. That's why it's so important to protect daily. Stellar Biotics are pioneers in immune and gut health with 20 plus years of science behind their metabiotic and probiotic supplements. They are all natural, proven, safe, and effective for everyone in your family, children, nursing mothers, and even pets. I trust them for my own family's immune and gut health support, and I hope that you consider them for your family too. Learn more at StellarBiotics.com and use coupon code DRCC10 to get 10% off of your purchase today. Um, so signs of insulin resistance, obviously, um, rapid weight gain, even though they are doing all the things right, they're moving their bodies, they're eating healthy, things like that. I'm, I'm thinking insulin resistance once again with that waking up, feeling tired. A lot of people just think that they are tired humans and that that is just normal, that they just wake That's how their life is, right? That is their normal. Um, to me, I'm starting to think cortisol dysregulation, blood sugar dysregulation. Like my brain is going down this whole pattern, blue light exposure before nighttime, things like that. Right. So I start, that's where my brain goes. Um, some other symptoms would probably be, um, the need for an afternoon nap. Once again, blood sugar dysregulation, uh, cortisol dysregulation. Um, and then, oh my gosh, it's, I know there's more and I'm just forgetting. There's um, we forget things. Oh, no, I would say heavy periods too. That's another one. Heavier, painful periods. Um, I remember even as a teen thinking that it was perfectly normal to have cramps on your period. But as an adult, I have completely crampless periods. Like as a hormone managed adult, I have, I have painless periods, but even eight or nine years ago, I didn't. Um, but I think women in general assume that it is a normal part of your menstrual cycle to have pain or cramps or bloating or even depression leading into that. So on to my next topic is depression the week or two before your period. A lot of women think that that is their normal. Um, and for me, I am thinking severe hormone imbalances, probably not ovulating, not making enough progesterone, things like that. Um, so those are some other things to think about. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, again, I tell patients this too, is that our periods are actual when we're, when we're actively bleeding are meant to come and go. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. is hormone balance. And what society has done is created this normalcy around PMS symptoms, headaches yeah. or migraines right before your period, extreme bloating, you know, debilitating where I, we all knew high school girls that would be like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I can't go to school the next three days because of, yes. of my period. And it's, it's been built as this normal thing, but it's not at all at yeah. all. Um, what are another fun question I have for you is what are some myths of PCOS? Because I feel like, I do feel like it is either under or overrepresented, you know, there's no in between, but what are, what are some good myths that you want to debunk or, or talk about? Yes. So the, one of the main things, if you Google PCOS, which please don't Google PCOS, it's so wrong. Go to my page or go to someone else's page. But if you Google PCOS, it's going to tell you that PCOS is the leading cause of infertility. That is my least favorite thing 
Now I do include it in some of my educational content as one of the stats, right? Because it is a fact, it's a stat. It doesn't need to be a fact though. PCOS is currently a leading cause of infertility because it's being so mismanaged. It doesn't need to be a leading cause of infertility. And it's not in our practice, our PCOS patients are having no issues getting pregnant. Like it it may take them a month or two longer than a patient without PCOS that we see, but we do not have any patients that I can think of off the top of my head that have come to us with PCOS that wanted to get pregnant that are not except for maybe one. Right. So that that's one of the biggest myths that frustrates me is that if you have PCOS, you will be infertile. And that's what so many women are told. Even me at 17, when I got my diagnosis, it was followed up with, and you're probably going to have trouble getting pregnant, which as a 17 year old, I'm like, I want to have kids by 25. You know, like I have this plan in my head, right. Of what my life looks like. And then you have to reevaluate your entire life plan. And, And women really, it sends them into a spiral from what I've notice like when they're told that because then you have to do all the work to unwrite that story that you have in your head and there's like where the emotional component comes into of the negative self-talk the self-esteem issues that come along with PCOS you know they think that it's their fault so that's another myth is that you can self-induce PCOS when it is like there's a large genetic component to PCOS right and there's a large metabolic component So a lot of women think that they have somehow done something wrong to cause it or to express it or whatever it may be. Um, So those are two of the big ones that I always like to address. Um, And then also the third one is that birth control uh, fixes PCOS or that birth control is the solution to PCOS, which is like my least favorite one probably because it's the very first thing that women get, they get a diagnosis and they get handed a script for birth control and then usually metformin following up after that. So it's quite frustrating to watch, but that is, um, those are the three biggest ones probably I would say. It is, it is very frustrating, but it's great that you are verbalizing that because I do, I mean, I know so many women that immediately say right after they say I have PCOS, they say, Mm -hmm. I probably can't have kids. And when you're told that from a doctor, from a professional, people really take that to heart and then they believe it. And and so then they don't take action against it because they just accept that. They're like, well, a professional told me this, this is just what I have. I'm stuck with this. And I'm over here. Like there's always something that can be done always in no, no matter what situation, there's always someone that can dig a little bit deeper that can uncover something a little bit more so than the last person that can help you reach that goal or optimize you, you know, as a human. So I think that, again, it is very frustrating, but I think you verbalizing those will help a lot of people just understand like, Hey, if you think this, come see me. Yeah. Yeah. There's action there that, that we can do. And you touched on a few of these, especially kind of the mental health side of it, but what other unique challenges do you see to patients who suffer from PCOS? Yeah. So I would say some of the unique challenges are, um, the mental health side effects or associations with PCOS that we kind of talked about, but in more depth, um, there's a lot of anxiety and depression that are associated with PCOS that I'm seeing. Also, there's definitely an increased risk for hypothyroidism. So that poses another challenge because you kind of have 
you know, multiple things that you're working with and working um, towards. And a lot of times that can be really discouraging to women. So they already have been hit with this diagnosis that is pretty scary to women who don't understand it. And then the next thing that they know is their thyroid isn't functioning either. And then they're like, oh, my body's broken. You know, I can't do anything right. You know, all they go down that spiral, like I mentioned. Um, And then I think a big challenge and also confusion is the weight gain piece of it. Women are gaining weight even when they're in a caloric deficit. And it's just a major issue that's driven by insulin and is insulin resistance. Um, and I think it's very discouraging to women because they're doing all the right things and they may still gain weight anyways, which is if you don't know how to manage it properly, it can be very discouraging, very confusing and very overwhelming. Uh, but I think that's why I really do harp on blood sugar quite a bit with my patients and on my page, because it's really at the root of so many things, but especially things like uncontrollable weight gain, which can be driven by toxins, like we mentioned, but then also insulin related issues and insulin resistance. Your cells are just not as sensitized to to glucose and insulin, and it makes it very difficult for us to utilize the glucose that's in our blood, right? So if I could give anyone a tip for that, it's like utilize movement. I love using movement as insulin, right? So move after meals, go for a walk after meals, 10 to 20 minutes, do some air squats, whatever it may be that can help to slow that weight gain. Just little walks throughout the day can stabilize you, which is pretty crazy. Um, so that's something I've even had to work through is like really utilizing movement to balance and manage my insulin, because if I don't do it, it can be completely out of control, even for me. Right. Absolutely. There, you have your own patients, of mm-hmm. course. Will you tell the listeners how, if they are suffering from PCOS and in our next episode, any hormone imbalance that we will discuss a little bit further, how can they work with you? How can they get a hold of you? What's the best resource or resources that you have available to them? Yeah, great question. So I have a PCOS specific program that I've created. So this is for really any woman with PCOS, or if you suspect you have PCOS, if you're a mom of a daughter with PCOS, highly encourage you to take this course. And it basically is a framework. So all the different foundational tools and principles that I've learned about over the years about how to manage my PCOS, I've put them into a course that's kind of a workflow for them so they can understand how do I need to eat for my PCOS? What even is PCOS? What type of PCOS do I have or what are my drivers of it? And then I have a, a blood sugar boot camp within that course that actually tells them and teaches them how to balance their blood sugar on a day-to-day basis, on an hour-to-hour basis which is really important. And then I teach them about the different tools and supplements that they can use. So that course is called the PCOS collective. Um, and they, I, we also work with patients one-on-one in my practice. So I always suggest everyone start by mastering the principles and the foundations by taking my course. And then a lot of women don't end up needing us after that, truthfully, but if they do, then they can work with us in a one-on-one capacity either before or after they do the program. Um, and you can find us at the PCOS or just PCOSdoc.com. Um, and that's where you can, you know, check out our courses and services and things like that. Do you see patients virtually all over the country, any parameters on who you will and will not see? Um, It does depend on what state they're in. So we usually just suggest that they reach out, let us know where they're at and ask if we can help them in that area. We do have other providers that work under us or in other states and things like that. 
Um, and then we're licensed in multiple states too. So kind of just depends on where they're at. But for the most part, we can, we do have a pretty broad reach, which is great between us and our other providers. So it, it, we are able to help wow. a lot of people that way. That's amazing. And I do love that you send them through the educational course first, because half the battle is understanding your body and what your mm-hmm. body's going through. And just that baseline of knowledge, then you can come in and do your job a little bit easier, but then the patient will also understand more clearly why they're having to go through certain things, why you're recommending certain things and be more, you know, inclined to follow those protocols with that, with that baseline. So I love that. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Or, you know, doing that. Sorry. Yeah. And when in doubt, I always tell people when in doubt, because some people have done it all already. I will say they've done it all when they see me, when in doubt, just book a discovery call with me. Tell me where you're at in your journey and then I'll guide you. Like, is it the course you need? Is it really working with someone one-on-one that you need? I'll tell you honestly. Um, but everyone is in a different journey. Everyone has, you know, their own individual case and scenario. So when in doubt, we can just chat through it and see like, what is the route that you need? But I think everyone can really benefit from the course in general. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you, Dr. Natalie. You guys make sure to stay tuned to part two of this wonderful conversation where we will dive deeper into female hormones in general and female health. We just want to thank you for coming on here today. We've enjoyed our conversation so much. Yeah. And we'll link all of Dr. Natalie's stuff down below. So you'll just have to click and go find her and connect with her and all the places. Um, So yeah. And we've got a conversation coming up next. We're going to dive into more things. So make sure that you come back for that and listen because we're not done with Dr. Natalie. We are not. Until then, y'all, let's discover together. Hey, Discover, let's discover more. Find episode link in today's show notes. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Discovery Doc. Connect with us on Facebook at the Discovery Doc. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit our website, thediscoverydoc.com. This podcast is produced by Soulpreneurs Association and powered by soulsoftware.co. Empowering your digital journey with innovative solutions. The content provided in this podcast provides general information and discussions on various topics related to health, wellness, and medical advancements. However, it is essential to understand that the content provided in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The hosts, guests, and contributors are individuals sharing their personal experiences, opinions, and knowledge in their respective fields. While they strive to provide accurate, up-to-date information, medical knowledge is constantly evolving and the information presented in this podcast may not always reflect the most current research and medical guidelines. It is crucial to consult with a qualified healthcare professional or medical expert for specific medical concerns. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking medical treatment based on the information presented in this podcast. The Discovery Doc Podcast encourage listeners to use their own judgment and discretion while implementing any suggestions, recommendations, or lifestyle changes discussed in this episode. Each individual's medical situation is unique and may work for one, may not be suitable or safe for another. The podcast hosts, guests, and contributors are not liable for any direct, indirect, consequential, or incidental damages or harm that may arise from listening or acting upon the information provided in this podcast. Listeners are responsible for their own health decisions and should exercise caution and seek professional guidance when necessary. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that you have read, understood, and agreed to this medical disclaimer. If you have any questions or concerns about this medical disclaimer, please consult a qualified healthcare professional.